Do you have an unexpected story to tell or know someone who does? We'd love to have you on the pod. Please apply at please don't tell anyone pod at gmail.com or follow our application link in bio of our Instagram, please don't tell anyone pod or TikTok account. He's already yelling and kind of being embarrassing, <laughs> but it gets to a point where he loses it, gets really mad, and he puts his hands around my neck. Hey, and thanks for coming back to Please Don't Tell Anyone. I'm Molly Clark, your host, and this is the podcast where you hear unexpected stories by ordinary people. I go and blind to all my interviews so that I can hear the story firsthand, just like you. Please don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell said, please don't tell anyone. Please don't tell anyone. Don't tell said, please don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't I survived a five-year abusive relationship with a narcissist during which he once made an attempt on my life that resulted in a restraining order. From this awful experience, I'm hoping to share my story to help other women get out of similar situations and feel less alone in the process. That's your story, right? Yep. That's I always right. get worried. I'm like reading the wrong person's submission. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'll pick a different one, actually. Can you read some others? Yeah. First of all, how old are you? I'm 23. You're 23, and you live in New York, because we were going to do this in person. You live in Queens. Did you grow up here? Yeah, I've always lived in Queens my whole life. Uh, I still live in my my childhood home. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, well, I'm moving out next year, which is exciting. But um, nice. yeah, I still live in the house I was raised in, and um, I really love New York. You know, I don't want to leave anytime soon. So if you're 23, when did this relationship start? We started dating when I was 15. But it kind of started when I was 14, and I was in contact with this person until 2020, okay, uh, which so was like, pandemic. you know, a long time. Yeah. 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 So why don't you just start wherever you feel the story begins, and then I'll jump in. All right. Um, so let me think. Um, you know, when you're 14, 15, you get into relationships, and, you know, you kind of go in with this naive understanding of what relationships are. You know what I mean? What was your perception of what relationships were? Well, you know, I kind of, I thought it was as simple as, oh, I like this guy. He seems really nice. This will be great. You know, I didn't really have any sort of notion of, because I was so young and so naive, I was like, I didn't really have any sort of notion of like looking for red flags, looking for things that might be, you know, good for me to know about Mm -hmm. the person that I'm getting into a relationship because I was so young. And I mean, he was young too. He was my age. He definitely um, mentally had a, had a hold on me because he was a very controlling manipulative kind of person so even though we weren't like far in age I feel like because I was kind of naive I kind of just expected the good in people that kind of put me in a situation that was um, compromising for how did you meet him he lived in my the vicinity in my neighborhood and actually I was really into musical theater as a kid so Mm -hmm. I did like this drama club for kids in the neighborhood Um, he was part of it a bunch of his friends were part of it a bunch of my friends were part of it and we kind of just ran in the same circles And so that's how we kind of got to know each other. And it started out because, you know, bad relationships don't just like start on day one as bad. Of course. You know, like, because then why would it happen? Like, why would you get stuck in that? Right. If from day one, somebody was showing you that they're not they don't have the best intentions, you know. So we started this relationship and I, you know, thought it was love, you know, like obviously in hindsight, it was not. It was very much like a like a puppy love type of situation, but like a naive a kind classic of like, first 
yeah. in love. Yeah. A first you have nothing kind of to compare it to. Exactly. Like I had no idea, but I was like, oh, this is the guy and it was great and I love him and blah, blah, blah. And then about maybe a year, year and a half into the relationship, there started to be what I like now in hindsight look at as red flags, like things that I started, I probably should have took a little more seriously, thought about a little bit more um, before like continuing in this relationship. That's where like my first memory, for example, of there being something where I felt kind of uncomfortable in this relationship was maybe it was probably a year, year and a half in. It was summertime. It was like the beginning of summer like June and I just bought like you know some summer clothes for the warm months and I bought a pair of shorts and he specifically was like I don't I don't like those shorts like I don't like you to wear those shorts like they're kind of short and you know in my like 15 year old mind I'm thinking to myself like okay like I don't love that you're telling me that however in my mind I'm like it's just one pair of shorts and this is my relationship and I care about you so whatever you know because I think it's just about the one pair of shorts but obviously it's about like you know setting this precedent of being controlling but I don't know that and I trust this person so I'm like okay whatever it's one pair of shorts I didn't think that much of it I didn't wear the shorts you know but um that's the first time I could remember being like oh maybe Maybe I should have thought about that a little more, about the implications of that. What was he saying? Because it's so funny, that example, I literally just saw it in a reality show I was watching on TLC. I don't know if you've watched the show. It's called <laughs> Welcome to Plathville. And it's like no, this woman from haven't. Georgia who, like, the kids never went to school and lived, grew up on a farm. And now they're rebelling. And um, I was asking, now they're rebelling and, like, are in the real world. But anyway, one of the girls, Mariah, is dating this guy. And he did the exact same thing. He was like... I don't want you wearing these outfits. Right. You look like a slut. And, you know, saying stuff like that. So I'm interested, like, was his justification that the outfits made you look promiscuous or was it, I just don't like those shorts? Well, it's funny because this is the first, again, like this was the first thing I could remember that was really, I don't know if there were maybe things before that I missed, but yeah. I, it started as being kind of like he'd frame it as almost as if he was watching out for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. He'd be like, just so you know, like those shorts are a little short. Like, I don't want, I don't want you being bothered as if it would be my fault if somebody bothered me at 15 yeah. years old for wearing shorts. But you know, like, but this is in his mind, like a justification. And then he said something even because I guess he wanted to like, make it sound like he wasn't doing this to be controlling. He was like, well, why don't you, like, just wear them, like, for me? Like, just when I'm around, you know what I mean? And then, like, you just don't wear them when you're by yourself because, I don't know, he's threatened by my legs somehow. But, um, so that was kind of his justification, was, like, I'm looking out for you. Like, I'm letting you know as a good boyfriend that you look kind of, you know, slutty or whatever, and I don't want you to run into problems because of that. So he's, like, the hero, right? He's always the hero. Um, And that's kind of how he he justified it, which was backwards from the beginning. But from there, it definitely escalated. It started becoming, you know, slowly but surely, there are more and more things I wasn't allowed to wear. Uh, There are more and more things I wasn't allowed to do. Uh, more and more friends I wasn't allowed to see or like if I did see then it needed to be like one of those situations where like you know I share my location with him and he has to like monitor me when I like go out and stuff and he he would always frame it as like I'm looking out for you I'm worried about you when you go out with your friends that something's gonna happen to you so you need to share your location with me so if anything happens to you I can help you and be your defender Mm -hmm. or whatever but really it was just him being like Where's she going? What is she doing? This friend is telling her that she has worth outside of this relationship and that's dangerous. You know what I mean? And the question on the top of my mind at 14 for both of you, like this narrative of relationships and love are shown at home, you know, especially for him, like this narrative, like whatever control element, like what was his home 
situation. I'm just curious. Did he have a model of this? Yeah, I'm actually kind of glad you brought that up because it's something that I think is very relevant to the story. He came from a household that was very kind of, I guess what you would describe as like traditional, like Mm. very like men don't cry and women are fragile. And, you know, like this very kind of like toxic, almost like 1950s Americana, like understanding of what relationships should be. His parents were like that. His parents um, kind of had a, a power imbalance in their relationship for sure. And I think that he was modeled from a very young age that he as a man had to give into these like patriarchal notions of like toxic masculinity. And I think that's kind of what was modeled for him his whole life as love, because that's what he kind of saw. And as I started to realize too, like as this got, you know, worse and worse as over time, of course, these relationships, these things escalate. I started to kind of almost justify his actions by being like, well, he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, Mm -hmm. this is all he knows. Like, it's, you know, he knows this toxic, like, understanding of relationships. He doesn't, he doesn't understand that he's hurting me. Mm -hmm. And this is how I used to, like, justify in my mind that, like, like, not being able to leave, you know, being like, well, he's growing and he'll get better and he'll understand and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that's, um, it's it's false. Like, that's not the, you know, that's not the narrative. Like, when somebody shows you their true colors, you should believe them, you yeah. know, and you shouldn't try to change them in the hopes that they'll get less abusive. But, you know, being 15, it's like I was very invested in him emotionally, and that's kind of, like, the thought process that I had. There were certain friends of mine that he was very, like, threatened by, like, friends that he didn't, he didn't Girl like. or guy friends? Um, girls. I wasn't, I wasn't even really allowed to have male friends. Yeah. I had one male friend that, um, he like begrudgingly like allowed me to have only because he was my male friend from childhood and yeah. like he kind of knew that he couldn't like cross that boundary because he's mm-hmm. been my friend for so long and he knew that that was going to be a hard no for me I, that's actually uh the relationship I'm in now is with him um, oh my god <laughs> funny story um, I'm, I'm honestly glad about that that, that yeah. this guy who you're with got to you know see your trauma as it unfolded yeah, I mean, it was terrible for him, but he um, he's a wonderful guy and he's not abusive. And so it, it ended up working out. Um, but I, even my contact with him was definitely limited. Um, you know, he would still find ways to like control it. He knew he couldn't cut it off at the knees because this guy had seniority in my life and he mm-hmm. was like friends with my family. Like, you know, my current boyfriend, he, he him and my family go way back. Like he yeah. couldn't cut it off at the knees. So even that was like very controlled. Like whenever I'd hang out with this male friend, which again was not often because I was like kind of under surveillance. Also, you're life. 15. Like you're not going out. Like you're not yeah. going to a club. You're not. And I think, you know, this story is very different than abusive relationships in their 20s because you're living at home still. I mean, you're living at home now, but you're living at home still, like, very much so. You're not 18 yet. What did your parents think of this dynamic? Like, were they seeing anything? (laughs) Well, see, that's the thing, is that I feel like people who do this are really, really good at, like, turning on the charm when they have to. And so he was very manipulative in the sense that, like, when he would act abusive towards me, he made damn sure that nobody else was seeing that. And when it did seep out and when like things, you know, because as things escalate, it gets harder and harder to hide, obviously. And when people did start noticing and saying things, then it was isolate, 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 you know, like you're, this friend is bad for you. Don't see this friend. I don't like this, blah, blah, blah. You know, like starting to cut people out that he thought would be problematic. And he was able to be very successfully like, like develop, you know, this relation, this rapport with my parents where he was this charming guy and they didn't see this element of him until it got 
very bad. But then once they did, they were like, yeah, we don't we don't like this. But it took a long time because he was very, very calculating with how he did it, you know? Yeah, so phase one is this, like, isolation control. What was What's phase two? How do we get to the middle of this? Right. Around maybe two and a half years, he proposed this idea to me, and he proposed it as though it was something we were going to do together as a couple. But now I, I look back in hindsight, and I'm like, this is, again, a control tactic, where he was like, I think we should just, like, delete social media. Like, I don't think you should be on social media. He basically presented it as like, a, oh, you know, it'd be good to like unplug and like we'll do it together. But then he, you know, obviously he kept his social media and he made me get rid of all my social media. And if he found out I was on social media because a couple of times I tried to like still be on social media and like connect with my friends that I wasn't allowed to see, it would be a big fight. And I'm the problem and I'm secretive and I'm, you know, I'm the issue, right? So it gets to a point now where it's not just my clothes. You know, I started to really not have agency over my own life anymore. And at this point, it's just like, not just, but it's verbal anger now. We're not like, oh, that upset me. It's now like, I'm angry. I'm pissed. Yeah. It's now that like, I am the problem. If I don't like just basically blindly do what he says, I am i'm the issue you know just like this like you are a problem and you make me angry and you do this and like this very like this finger pointing thing and he starts to get you know really aggressive with it because i also keep doing like i keep kind of rebelling in little ways against it you know like i have my like secret instagram account and i like you know dare to like talk to other people about like our relationship Mm -hmm. and that's another thing he hated when I mentioned him or like talked about our relationship to anyone even if it wasn't like a a criticism of our relationship he was like you know you don't talk about this relationship to other people that's like a betrayal because he knew that if I talked to other people about it, they'd be like hey get out of this you know well I was gonna say so at this point and I hope you know moving forward like with my questions it's just an ignorance of having not been through this and so it's not a judgment in this question but like why aren't you leaving at this point why doesn't someone leave at this point Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm actually, again, I'm glad you asked this because the whole reason I wanted to come on your podcast and talk about this is because I feel like I didn't have the tools when I was this young to be able to get myself out of something like this. Because when you're looking at it from the outside, it looks very simple. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, you see, oh, you can't do what you want to do. Your life is being compromised. It should be so simple. Why don't you just leave? At this point, I'm over two years invested in this relationship he has met all of my family Mm -hmm. he has intertwined himself into my life in such a way that a breakup would be hard but not only that he's also in addition to becoming controlling he has broken down your confidence and your your understanding of what you even are capable of without him yeah you know yourself yeah, he break like abusers like this. That's kind of their MO. They don't just like all of a sudden come out with the abuse. You know, it's a systematic like things that are said sometimes just like as like throwaway comments that kind of insinuate that like, oh, you're so you need me. You need me, you know, and it, it drills this idea into your head. It's brainwashing is what it is. It drills this idea into your head that you need this relationship or that it's like your only shot at love or you know there's a bunch of different narratives depending on whoever your Mm -hmm. abuser is that they like to use to kind of keep you there but he really drilled this idea into my head that like he was like the you know the one for me and that nobody would nobody would love me the way that he would that's something he said to me actually that's something that I will never forget one of the worst things he's ever said to me was we've been in this relationship for so long like who else would want you now I'm very young I'm very this is my first 
serious relationship. I also, to some degree, think that some of this is normal. Like, I don't think that all of it is normal, like, obviously. But to some degree, I'm like, yeah, in relationships, you have to compromise. Like, I'm not recognizing that even the smallest instance of this is abusive. In fact, it took me a really long time to even understand what I went through as abuse. Mm -hmm. Even, like, when things happened that became, like, just undeniably abuse and law enforcement had to get involved, I still like, couldn't really wrap my head around the fact that I've been abused. Like, that didn't feel like True. the right word. Yeah. yeah, it didn't feel like the right word because I've been so manipulated so methodically and, you know, so calculatedly over so long that my brain didn't... I was not able to process it. Were you losing friends at this time? Uh, yes and no. It was kind of like one of those things where I had certain friends that, um, that like, could kind of couldn't be shaken and those friends did not like him yeah um you know i would think at the, like i know i've been on this side of it where like you're seeing it and you're like yeah get out of that and as you right. said way easier said than done yeah but as you're sitting there as that friend it does hit a point where you're like i don't want to hear about this anymore i don't want to you know she's not going to take my advice she's not going to let me support her right and you do pull away well, that's the thing, too, is that I didn't really tell people like a lot mm. of this was completely like undercover, like the friends who did know that he had some like toxic tendencies didn't know how bad it was. Mm-hmm. They had no idea to the extent like of how bad it was, because I knew because even though you're in this brainwashed state, you still kind of know that like that people would not approve. I still kind of knew that if I went and I told my friends like the true extent of what was going on that they would be like oh my god but it's almost like I don't even want to open that can of worms because that's another thing is that I'm afraid of him even if I felt like I was in a place where I was able to leave and that was something that I was Mm -hmm. smart enough and capable enough to do which I was I just didn't Mm -hmm. know it I was so afraid of him you know afraid of what at this point (laughs) afraid of his backlash at this point he would I mean, it was a lot of verbal abuse, a lot of mental and emotional manipulation. But at this point, he also started getting, like, physically aggressive. There wasn't a ton of instances of of physical. He was very much like a, a manipulator. Mm-hmm. But the few times that he did act out physically, it was scary. He was much bigger than me. In fact, actually, <laughs> this poster that you see on my wall, mm-hmm. it's cover- it covers a hole in my wall that he punched there. Yeah. So, yeah, take us to that. Take us to so- this phase three. <laughs> So we get to a point where um, I'm going to college and this became a big um, point. Is he not going to college? No, he also was going to college. He um, made the choice to go to a college that was kind of close by. I was still in the processes of choosing my school. Like he had committed. I was choosing my school. And I was very adamant about the fact that I didn't just like want to go to his like I didn't want to go to school School with him yeah right right I think it was almost an act of rebellion that I originally chose to go to a school six hours away um and he didn't like that but he also knew that he couldn't really actively say anything about it around my family friends anything like that because obviously red flags right let's I'm just gonna give him a name so I can recur like refer to him Uh, let's just call him Ethan that's not his name but we're gonna call him that and Ethan knows that there are certain like you know, that there are certain topics that are going to out him for what he's doing, basically. So he very much, like, in front of family and friends, like, would not, like, condemn my choice to to do that. But he made my life hell personally, like, when we were alone because of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I went away to school, and um, 
it was, you know, he was constantly trying to get me to come home all the time, constantly tracking my location, constantly like calling me after like 8 p.m. at night to make sure I was in my dorm room. The birthday before I left for Syracuse, that's where I went to school for the freshman year, I, you know, had a little birthday party at my house and my grandmother gifted me like a, an eyeshadow palette for my birthday. And I, one of the rules, I, I was not allowed to wear makeup. So he iced me out and chewed me out for receiving a gift of makeup because he had like set that rule for me prior that I wasn't I wasn't allowed to wear makeup because who are you trying to impress? I mean, I guess you wouldn't do this because you're not an abuser. But like my first thought right now would be to turn it on them and be like, you're not allowed to wear shorts. You're not allowed to, you know, like (laughs) if you're going to do this to me, like you're not allowed to, you know, whatever. (laughs) Like how would he have? I don't know. That's just well, like I would have freaked out. Well, here's my problem is that I, for so long, tried to talk to him like he was rational, you know, and this is the problem for a long time is that I was convinced that I could rationalize with him Mm -hmm. because I, in my mind, didn't think that he understood he was abusing me, right? I thought that he just loved me and he just, you know, he doesn't know any better. I made all these excuses, right, because I'm so invested in him emotionally at this point and so manipulated by him already that I repeated and we'd had so many conversations, so many conversations where I was like well how would you feel if I told you you weren't allowed to have female friends well how would you feel and he's like well it's different you know and he's like because I'm not dealing with somebody who's rational I'm you know so that was the problem is that I almost gave him too much credit in thinking that he like had better intentions than he did and so things really um hit a peak when I came home from my first semester at college because you know how in college you have like a month-long winter break Yeah. So I came home for that winter break and I actually brought a friend that I made with me because she um, lived in my dorm room. We were really good friends. I really liked her. I really wanted to like have a a friendship with this girl. And she lived in Texas. Um, So the way that it worked was, you know, there was a certain day we had to move out of our dorms by. Mm -hmm. But her flight to her home in Texas was not for like two or three days after that. And her flight was out of JFK. So I was like, hey, I don't live far from JFK. Come stay a couple days with me and then you could fly home. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened. And I brought her home and he was, of course, mad about that. (laughs) I was like, my friend's staying over. Like, I'll see you, you know, at another Mm -hmm. time. I'm taking her into the city. We're doing this, this and that. You know, she's never been in New York. This is, you know, Mm -hmm. we're doing stuff. And he would constantly be harassing me about, like, getting home. He'd be like, oh, why do you have to be out all the time? Like, why can't you just go home? And, you know, like, while I'm out, you know, like, he intentionally tries to wreck my relationships by distracting me from even being in the moment. right? Exactly. And so he invited himself over one of the days that she was there, was passive-aggressive and awful to her, obviously. And I remember when he left, she was like, she kind of told me, she was like, that guy's bad news. And I was like embarrassed because I'm like, oh my God, my boyfriend's like being a douchebag like to my new friend. Like this is terrible, you know? When things actually went down, like this big part of the story that I'm about to get into right now, it was, um, it was New Year's Day. It was January 1st, 2017. I'll never, I'll never forget it being New Year's Day. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget it being New Year's Day. And so I guess she left a couple days ago or like, you know, it happened very quickly mm-hmm. where, you know, she left and then we were at war and the holidays happen. And then he came over on January 1st um, already in a fight with me. Like he had picked a fight. It was either the fight that we were having about me having an Instagram account, mm-hmm. which he did not like. Right. Or classic. or it was, yeah, classic, you know, um, or it was the fight because these things are happening concurrently where I mentioned to him that I wanted to possibly rush a sorority like or possibly join 
Oh, yeah, uh, a God, club. God forbid. Yeah. God forbid. So it was one of those two fights. I can't remember which one it was, or maybe it was kind of both because sometimes they like meshed in together about you know all the things I'm not allowed to do. So they kind of meshed in, and they he should have all... written it all down for you. He so really should have just, just made a list, a like checklist. a checklist, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> that would have been more convenient. Mm-hmm. So um, this was we were already fighting, and then he was like, "Okay, I'm coming over," and I was like, "All right," but I knew that we were fighting, and also my parents were home, my sister was home. I'm like, I don't want you to like come over and like just have a fight in front of my family i'm like you know this is like uncomfortable so i was like listen i'm gonna like come outside i'm gonna like me you know meet you outside like down the block like let's cool down let's talk about this cool down a little before we go inside because i don't i'm not trying to just like ruin the energy in my house right now and i also don't want them to know like again it's like it's almost like a preservation thing i'm kind of protecting him like in all of this i'm in you know because i feel of course the second that you tell your parents all of this shit they're gonna hate this guy yeah right it's over No, of course not. What's your age gap with your sister real fast? I'm just curious. She, uh, three years. Three years. Older or younger? She's younger than me. Okay, I was gonna say, Um, if she were older. But you'd never, you'd never know it because she's very mature for her age. Was Um, she attuned to all of this though? Or was she even like, what? When she found out? She knew that she had, he had some tendencies. But again, she did not know the the extent, extent you know. Okay. Again, all of my friends that are like kind of aware of this, they don't know the extent. They think like, oh, they're having relationship problems. Like every boyfriend Mm -hmm. and girlfriend, they have some fights sometimes, but it's fine. You know, but that's what they are seeing. So anyway, I go to meet him outside. Um, and he's like ranting and raving and yelling at me about one of those two things. Again, I can't remember which one it was. And I'm keep, I'm trying to calm him down. I'm like, I just want to like go to college and have a normal experience and meet people. Like, I don't understand. And I'm, I'm fighting with him about it. I'm like, why can't you just like, you know, let me live basically. And he gets really heated and it gets to the point, like he's already yelling and kind of being embarrassing, (laughs) but it gets to a point where, um, he he just loses it, gets really mad, and he puts his hands around my neck. And before I know it, like, I'm standing there, like, on the corner of my street, and he's, like, behind me, kind of like this. And You're I'm, fully like, in public. I'm fully in public, like, on the street. Like, literally, like, maybe 200 feet away from my house. Like, not far at all. And he is holding me like this, and he's, like, behind me. And all of a sudden, while this is happening, you know, I'm, like, kind of squirming. Like, maybe five seconds in, it it didn't take long. Maybe five to ten seconds into this starting, I hear a voice from behind me that I, I can't, like, pinpoint, being like, hey, like, kind of, like, yelling, like, hey, what's going on? And he drops me, and we both turn around, and my neighbor had come out of his house, and I don't know this neighbor very well, but, like, I've seen him around, you know? Mm-hmm. And he comes out of his house, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? Like, why do you have your hands around her neck, like, what the hell is going on, you know? And he immediately, uh, you know, flips the switch, and he's like, oh, you know, it's not, you know, like, we're just, we're just having a little argument, you know, like, he's making it, he's, like, downplaying it, and I'm, I'm scared now, too, because, like, now somebody else is involved, and I'm, like, silent, I'm just, like, I don't even know what to do now, like, now somebody's seen this, like, now there's another person involved in this narrative, I was also shocked, because I've just been choked, (laughs) like, I mean, luckily, I'd never lost consciousness, I wasn't, injured i didn't have to go to the hospital well, how did the neighbor react when did well, he believe him he was like oh no big no. deal i do that all the time no. too <laughs> yeah no i totally just choked my wife out in the street um yeah. no so the neighbor wouldn't let it go and he was like right. absolutely not like i heard you yelling at her and then i came out and i saw this he was like absolutely not like no way he was like and then he says he says outright he's like i'm calling the police and he comes over and here's what i didn't know you about must have this been neighbor scared too. shitless I'm terrified, Molly. I have 
no idea like how to because you're like the trying to protect the relationship still you're trying to protect him yes. you're trying and that's what people really don't understand like again this is not a story i've told in any sort of public forum i mean my friends some of them know my family obviously you'll find out that they know they were there that's something that i is hard for me when i did tell my friends about what happened and when it all really came out in the wash it's hard for them to be like, oh my God, how come you weren't just like, yes, help me, you know, like, yeah. please. Because I was confused and I was in yeah. shock and I didn't even really process what had happened until afterwards. Like at first I didn't even realize that he like, that he outright assaulted me, you know, because in my brain is still trying to catch up with what yeah. was going on, you know? So I see this man, and then what I didn't know about this neighbor also was that he was an ex-army guy. So he walks over to my boyfriend at the time and, like, pins him on the ground, Molly. Like, I swear to God. After calling 911? Yeah, well, he pins him on the ground, and then he, like, calls in to the... Because we were right in front of his house. We were, like, right in front of his house. So it didn't take him long to, like, you know, shorten the distance and come and, like, pin him to the ground. And he <laughs> did that, and he whipped his cell phone out of his pocket... And he, like, kind of yelled to his wife. He was like, hey, I'm calling the... Just so you know, I'm calling the police because the window was open. So he, like, yelled to her. And he takes his cell phone out of, the, out of his pocket and he calls them while he's holding him on the ground. And I'm standing here, like... Are you still just <laughs> silent? Are you crying? I'm crying. I'm, like, I'm hysterical. Like, confused, yeah. crying. And he... When he approached my boyfriend to, like, subdue him, because I think he was afraid that my boyfriend was going to run away, because that's what it kind of seemed like he was planning to do, because he was talking to him, and Ethan was, like, you know, trying to talk him down, trying to get him to, like, go away, basically. And when he realized that he wasn't going to go away, he started kind of separating himself. Like, he almost made, was making moves as if he was going to, like, run away. I just kept screaming, don't fight him, don't fight him, just let it happen, just let it, you know what I mean? Because I don't want this to get worse, and I don't yeah. want somebody else to get hurt now trying to help me, because now I feel responsible, like, even though I'm not. But, you yeah. know, that's how it feels. At the time, I get it. And it was so confusing, so he pins him on the ground and calls the cops, and he holds him there, until they show up, like, five to ten minutes later. And as they show up... Also, this is another thing. I'm, like, very afraid of law enforcement. <laughs> so this is already, like, a stressful situation. I'm even more scared now. And your parents I, like, aren't outside at this point. As he's holding him there, and as, like, the cops have been called, um, my dad comes out of the house. And he's like, hey, what's going on, basically, you know? And I was like, I don't know, like, it's a mistake, like, the police are coming, like, I don't know why the police are coming, you know, I, like, can't even really, like, coherently, like, uh -huh. explain what's going on, because I'm so overwhelmed with so many emotions at the time. But he, the guy, the neighbor, um, explains to my dad, basically, he's like, yeah, um, this guy, I caught him strangling your daughter. And my dad was like, oh, yeah, call the police. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> that's a good thing to do. And so so they get there and they put him in. I watched them put him in the handcuffs and put him in the car. And I was like, oh, my. And then the police come to talk to me because now they need a statement from me. And I'm just hysterically crying. And they're and they're asking me all these questions. And I still feel like by ratting him out, I'm in I'm in danger. But even though he's in handcuffs, even though I can't even see him, yeah. I'm still afraid of him. Mm -hmm. So I still feel like if I tell the truth of what's going on, that it will come back to bite me. Because that's an that's another thing that these abusers will drill into you that like I will put my wrath on you mm -hmm. if you cross me, if you betray me, and I will make you regret it, basically. But basically I couldn't even like coherently uh talk about it. I tried to I tried to like give the statement that I could, but it wasn't great. And the cops kind of knew. Like, they, they were looking at me and they were like, yeah, this is a domestic violence case. Like, this looks like what it is. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they took pictures of me and of my neck. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was, I felt really weird about that. And then 
eventually they went away and they took him with him. And I'm like, now I'm in this situation where like, well, what the fuck do I do now? Right. And the very last thing I wanted to do was go home and have to explain to my family, like outside of my dad, because my mm-hmm. dad was the only one who who came outside and, you know, was, um, bore witness to it. Yeah. I didn't want to have to go home and look my little sister in the eye and tell her, yeah, this happened. Like, I'm embarrassed, honestly. So I ditched. I was like, I told my dad, I was like, hey, I'm going to go to my friend's house. Press your dad let you go. I don't think he knew what to do. And I think yeah. he felt he I think he felt secure that uh, he was gone. So he was mm-hmm. like, OK, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? He was like, do what you have to do. I don't think he really knew like how to like help me mm-hmm. um, in this scenario. You know, so I went to my friend's house. We talked for a while. And then all of a sudden I get a phone call from my boyfriend's father. So this man gets me on the phone. And it's basically explained to me that like, you know, when you're arrested, you get like a phone call. He called his dad. And his dad was basically, like, completely in denial that his son did anything wrong. He was like, I am going to come to your house in a half hour. I'm going to pick you up, and we are going to go down to the precinct, and you are going to tell them that he did nothing wrong. And I was like, uh, okay. And to me, I'm like, okay, well, maybe maybe they'll release him and maybe we could just forget all of this. And like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, maybe that's the best thing right now. You know, like maybe that's something I could do. So I left my friend's house. I go back to my house. Uh, he picks me up and brings me to the police. Does your dad or your parents like, no, my no parents, one is upset that this man's picking you up. Nobody like, I didn't really tell anyone. Nobody really knew. I guess I told my dad that I wanted to go to my friend's house, mm-hmm. that I wanted some space away from like, and I think he thought that that might be good for me to like mm-hmm. go and sit at my friend's house, you know, like, and just No, I get that. I just, once yeah. you're back, I feel like they would have been like, right. no, don't go with this man. Well, that's like, the thing is that happened really quick. I didn't really like even enter the house. Like I arrived home and he picked mm-hmm. me up. It was really quick. Like I didn't even like stop yeah. really. And also I'm afraid of his family as well because his family are just as scary mm-hmm. as he is. So... He picks me up and brings me to the police precinct and is basically like, here she is. Um, you know, she she's fine. Look at her, you know, release him. And they were like, that's not how the legal system yeah. works. <laughs> and I kind of knew that, too. I was like, this is not going to work. And then basically he kind of like shamed me. He kind of blamed me for what happened to his son because he was like, well, if you couldn't like you couldn't, like, you know, shut your damn mouth. Like, you couldn't, like, you know, not be so fucking loud and draw attention to yourself. Like, now he's... This happened to him because of you. Again, like, I'm the, the problem. The dad's now gaslighting you. Yes, right? yes! Yeah. And his whole family started kind of gaslighting... Because even his, like, mom... I didn't really interact with her much um, in the aftermath of this, obviously. But they all were like, well, you know, your your girlfriend, you know, she's trouble. She got you in trouble. And then he drops me off at home. And, um... My family and I are like, huh, we need to, you know, unpack all of this. And so we start that process of kind of like talking about it and kind of starting to heal. But over the next couple of days, I'm really inconsolable. He gets arraigned the next day. And so I'm he getting... stays overnight at the precinct? Yeah, wow. he stays overnight in jail, which he deserved way longer than one night. But that's just, mm-hmm. that's what happened. After that, he was released of his own recognizance. But there was a restraining order um, authorized. Because in the state of New York, if a domestic violence call is made and someone is arrested, there's an automatic restraining order put on that person from their victim. But it's temporary. And this was January 1st that this happened. I think the order was in place till February 22nd or something. Mm -hmm. Something like that. It was kind of dropped. Like, he has the charge on his record, but I didn't, like, press charges further from that Mm -hmm. because I was, like, 
very much in a state of like, like I said, I wasn't even really able to give a good statement. Like there was, it wasn't like I was going to be in any sort of um, condition to be able to like actually go through with like, yeah taking more serious action against it. And also I didn't want to, you, didn't you know, want because to. You weren't I did, I wanted place. this all to disappear. I wanted just this all to be done, you know? And to the point where I was like regularly lying about like elements of it because I'm afraid, you know, yeah. because I'm afraid of him. Now the justice system is involved. Like this is very you overwhelming. Just to go away. Yeah. I just wanted to go away and I was willing to say anything, do anything to try to make it go away. And that was kind of like where I was at, you know? And um the good the one good thing that came from this was that it started, it kickstarted my journey into therapy, mm. um, which ended up saving, like really saving me um, afterwards because I ended up for days, I was really inconsolable after this. I was just completely like wrecked. What? So my life moves on from here. And after the restraining orders up, we are in contact again. But you're back at there school by this point, right? Back at school, we're in contact again. I actually do end up transferring schools. It, it didn't have anything to do with this, but I did end up transferring schools partially because my mental health really needed to be addressed and I ne- could get care mm-hmm. in the city. And they, there were a lot of different factors that ended up leading to me transferring schools, but mm-hmm. uh, it was like the right choice for me at the time, basically. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. I transferred schools. I ended up going to school closer to home, which ended up being a good thing. I started therapy. I started seeing a counselor at school. And my relationship with him um, continues despite everything like we are still in contact it's not like um it's not like we immediately just like went back to normal because like how do you just go back Mm -hmm. to normal I'm still kind of considering myself in this relationship you know what I mean like I'm not free of it you know and as time goes on and as like more distance is like is gained from that incident it's like he slips his way kind of back into my life as like uh as like my my boyfriend again he wins you over again Exactly. Like it continues. And so over time he gets back into my life. We're dating again, but now I'm at a different school. I have different friends and these friends uh, don't take shit from men like yeah. this. Let me tell you. Well, it's so New York colleges. Yeah. Oh yeah. One of the girls that I met in college, she's one of my best friends now. I was in her bridal party recently. Like we have a bond. Um, let's call her Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Um, and Evelyn had been in a very similar abusive relationship before in high school. So she met my boyfriend and she immediately was like, hell fucking no. And she made it known. And in my junior year of college, I moved in with her into an apartment. And once I started living with her, uh, that really was a turning point for me because he still would insert himself into my life. It was easier for him now to insert himself into my school life because I wasn't as far away. So he would, you know, sometimes show up to my school, sometimes try to get buddy-buddy with, like, my friends, my friends mm-hmm. who, like, weren't as aware as, as Evelyn was, right? Mm-hmm. And um, there was even a time where I remember, I mean, my this friend never liked him from the start. She was, like, she thought he was bad news and everything, mm-hmm. and she made it known, and that was great. It was very helpful, actually, for me to, like, have somebody really firmly set Yeah, that you boundary. had someone sounding the alarm next to you at all right. times. Right. Right, right. And it's not like my other friends haven't expressed concern, but again, they didn't know the extent. A lot of them did not know the story about what happened on New Year's Day. A lot of them didn't know that happened at all. So they don't understand at all that I really needed, like, I needed somebody to set that boundary for me. So, like, basically, we came to, like, this understanding where I was like, you know, he he's not allowed in our apartment. Like, I don't want him to make you uncomfortable. I know you don't like him. I don't want him to make you uncomfortable. Like, I will totally respect that. Of course, this was a problem for him. He hated mm-hmm. this friend. He was very threatened by her, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and at one point, I was invited to this other friend. Let's call her, I don't know, Veronica. Uh, Veronica <laughs> was having a birthday party, this other friend of mine. And this friend had kind of known my boyfriend, but he really, like, he really charmed the shit out of her. She didn't see any of his red flags. Like, she was not aware. And so she invited me to her birthday party. And I was planning on going with my boyfriend because she knew him and had met him and said that he could go. But the day of the party, I was... You know, again, like, even though I'm in this relationship with him, something changed after that day, after, after New Year's Day. And I'm starting to try to set little boundaries for myself and basically make my escape. You know, mm -hmm. like, I know in my head that this is going to end and that it should end now. And I'm trying to, like, set myself up for that. But also, this man did physically assault me. So I'm very afraid. I'm even yeah. more afraid now because now I know what he's capable of. Right. But you also now have this friend support system and a therapist right. support system. And you're kind of building this. These tools Absolutely. That you didn't have before. Right. Like I all of a sudden have a lot of resources that I didn't have before. And so I'm invited to this friend's party. Um, he was also invited to go. But the day of I tell him, I'm like, listen, we were having some sort of some sort of fight. Who the fuck mm -hmm. even knows what it was about? And I told him, I was like, listen, I'm going to go to Veronica's party tonight. You know, we're in the middle of this fight. I would prefer if you sit this one out, you know, like I would prefer if I just she's my friend. I want to go say hi for her birthday. But I, you know, given the situation that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. I would rather you just not go. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to say like, hey, this the way you're treating me right now is not okay. And this is the boundary I'm setting. I don't want to see you tonight. I want to go and see my friends. And that's what I want to do. So that was my plan. I told him that. And then I shut off my phone. I went to work. And when I got out of work, one of my friends was picking me up to go to the party. And when I'm in the car on the way to the party, I get a call from Veronica. And she goes, oh, Ethan, he beat you here. Like he's here already. And I was like, what? And she was like, I thought you were coming together. And I was like, I thought he wasn't coming at all, you know? Um, and then I get there, and he was there already. Like, he asserted himself to be there. And then I basically was like, hey, can I talk to you, like, outside? Because I'm not trying to ruin my friend's birthday party right now. And I, I took him outside, and I was like, this is unacceptable. And basically, I told, I started, this is the first time I, I remember really... really yeah, and I, I had rebelled against him before. We'd had fights where I, like, stood up for myself in, like, a, mm -hmm. a smaller kind of way. But this is the first time I remember being, like, absolutely fucking not. Like, yeah. this is just crossing lines, you know, like, over and over again. And I was like, this is so unacceptable. And I kept being like, please leave. Like, I don't want you here. I This is not appropriate. You're making me uncomfortable. You're going to make everyone else uncomfortable, too. So I was like, please, for the love of God, leave. And I'm trying to get him to go home, but he won't. And then he starts with his manipulative shit of, like, the crying and the, oh, but I just want to be with you and all this stuff. And I can't get him to go home. It's funny that New Year's Day wasn't where it ended. But in my mind, it was still that he did something against me and I could handle that. Now, at this point, I felt like he was kind of disrespecting my friends. And like, you know, he, like by showing up here, like by himself, like when I told him not to, like now I'm like, uh oh, now my friends are getting involved and I cannot let my friends now be, you know, affected, affected by, by you. Yeah. So I basically decided after he just would not listen to me, would not leave me alone, would not go away. I was like, I'm calling in the big guns. And I called my roommate, Evelyn. And I was like, Evelyn, you're right about him. And he's here. I told him not to be here. He will not go home. What do I do? I was basically like, what Good should I do? Good for you. And Evelyn's like, here I come. I've been ready for this. <laughs> and Evelyn goes, give me five minutes. And she mm -hmm. bangs up the phone. And she gets in her Jeep. And she drives over. And I'll never forget. She pulls up in her Jeep right to where we're standing. And she gets out of the car. She slams the door. And she walks up to him. And she goes, you gotta leave. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. 
<laughs> and now at this point, my boyfriend is terrified of her, right? Because she's the first friend of mine that sees through him immediately, knows exactly what he is and who he is. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, you know, because my other friends, you know, they don't, they haven't had these experiences. They don't know these things and they don't know the extent, but she knows. And he's afraid of her because of it, right? He's so afraid of her. So she lays into him and is like, you need to leave. And he, she makes him leave. And from that day on, I was like, wow, things have got to change. And so I keep on setting up these boundaries. I keep on making new friends. I I make this um, amazing friend, actually, in school. Let's call her Amy. And I met this friend, and she, you know, just added to the system of support that I had. And um, eventually, you know, Your it took a long time. Your toolbox is turning into a shed. Exactly. Like, I'm building up this whole, like... Yeah, you got um, a fucking Home Depot. Let's go. I have a Home Depot, right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And now that this has happened as well, it's becoming more obvious to, like, my other college friends that there's a problem. Because, you know, my friend Veronica's like, well, where the fuck did you go for, like, an hour and a half during mm-hmm. my birthday party? And, like, you know, there's... Like, obviously, things are starting to get to a point where I can't be ignored anymore. And, it, you know, slowly but surely, I end up getting to a point where I simply am... I'm done with him. Between 2017 and 2019, I'm building the support system and making moves to get out. Like, I'm mm-hmm. setting these boundaries where I'm not listening to him anymore. I got my ears pierced a bunch of times. And he would give you're me shit about... Makeup. Yeah, you're I'm wearing, wearing makeup. I'm getting my ears pierced. I'm getting shorts. And he's still giving me shit about it, but I don't care anymore, yeah. right? Like, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, well, you'll be mad at me about it, and then what? So yeah, what? power Basically. is starting to... Right. Yeah. So I'm doing what I want to do anyway. It's not like all of a sudden I was free. Like I'd still feel bad about it and he'd still make me feel bad or whatever. But it wasn't dictating my life anymore. Yeah. I joined a sorority that I wanted to do and I had an Instagram account. I met wonderful girls through there that also were like, we don't like him, which was yeah. helpful. And then in 2019, I really like ripped the band-aid off and was like, you know, I don't want to see you anymore. Like we I basically ended the relationship. And I was still kind of in contact with him a little bit after that um, because it's like, I don't know, I I felt kind of, I don't know, it was hard because he was just been in my life for so long, you know? Mm -hmm. And you can't just, I don't know. You had to do it your way. I get it. I mean. Right. And it wasn't necessarily, that doesn't mean it was the right way. It doesn't mean it's the way that everybody does it. It's the way you had to do it. Right. COVID hits. Mm -hmm. I'm in lockdown. And now... um, I'm really at this point completely estranged from him because like, again, we were like in contact, but we weren't dating. So, you know, I kind of let things get to a point where I was able to fizzle him out, you know, like this was going on for long enough that it finally reached this little end and I was able to like fizzle him out. And I remember the very final straw that made me go no contact was this friend Amy that I met in my last year of college. Um, I was hanging out with her. And we went on like a little brunch date and I posted a picture of us of on our brunch date. And he sent me this weird text about how like, I, I like, you don't want to be with me because you're a lesbian and because you're with her now. And like, does she make you happy? Also, I'm, I'm bisexual too. And this was also something that I'm he would sure. use against me yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I didn't even want to come out to him. I didn't even want to tell him. So obviously, this is something he was like, oh, the reason you don't want to be with me is because you want to be with her. And I was like, OK. And, and no, that honestly, was when I was, let him believe that. I, exactly. I was like, fine. You want to believe that? Like, like more I love power Amy. Yeah. I was like, yeah, she makes me happy. I was like, yeah, awesome. And so with that, I was like, absolutely not. Because when, you know, he would cross somebody like Evelyn or like Amy, I was like, absolutely not. Like, I cut it off at the knees because these are people that I'm not. It's way easier to stand up for someone else than it is yourself. For somebody else, exactly. So that's kind of what it was. And that was the final straw of me completely cutting off contact was was that. I was like, no, you don't come for her. Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. Like, over and out. And so I stopped stopped, uh, full no contact. And um, then summer hit. I'm living my life without him. Life is good. And at the end of summer, um, I'm scheduled to start graduate school. 
I'm in graduate school now, I'm finishing it. And this is right before I was starting my first semester. And I get a, a flower delivery sent to my door about five days before I start graduate school with a note that I know is, it's not signed, but I know it's from him because I know what his fucking handwriting looks like. Like, you're not slick. Mm -hmm. And it's like a little note. And it was like, oh, because all of your vases deserve to be full or something like that. So I get that and I'm freaked out by it. And I send him a message basically like, listen, don't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I send him a message. I'm like, don't do that. And then in October of that year, that would happen in August. So all this time goes by, no talking, no contact, no nothing. Within this time, actually, I start kind of, we're not like officially dating yet, but I, I start kind of seeing my friend who I'm, yeah. I'm dating now. So like my life is moving on, like yeah. things are happening and things are good. And I'm not even thinking about him anymore. And then in October of that year, <laughs> all of a sudden I see on my Instagram page that he posted like a private story, like one of those private story things. Mm -hmm. And I click on it because I'm like, okay, that's weird. Like, mm -hmm. like, also, why am I on your private story? Yeah, that's another thing. I'm your ex-girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm also even more intrigued now that I'm on yeah. your private story. And it's a picture of a totaled car that looks like his car. And it has like a... And the reason I say it's not his car, you'll, you'll see why. But it's a picture of a totaled car, which I'm looking at it. And it has like a some sort of caption that's basically like you know like lucky to like have made it out or like what some like weird like essentially thing. like i got in an As accident i'm lucky to be alive yes wants you to see it wants you to reach out right. and be like, are you okay yeah 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 great right and i see this and i'm like what the fuck i'm like i'm like he was in a terrible accident mm -hmm. i'm like holy shit and like my empathetic personality is like oh my god you know so despite so my yeah, so despite my better judgment, I sent him a message being like, hey, I saw your story. I'm really sorry that happened to you. And that's all I said. And then the next day, I started thinking about it a little more because I was kind of overtaken with, like, the emotion of, like, yeah. holy shit, this person who I know could have died. And then the next day, I call my friend. And let's call this friend, uh, let's call her... Betty. Betty. And I call Betty, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, did you see that? that post because because you know she kind of knew yeah. like i don't know i was like did you hear about this you know like you know his you know his sister and whatever like did you hear about what happened and she was like no <laughs> and we start thinking about it and we come to the conclusion like we talk about it and we're like going into the details of it and we're like oh my god he he made all of that up he completely just created a fabrication to start contact with me again did he write back to you yeah, he wrote back to me. He was like, I really appreciate, you know, he's trying to like start a conversation, but I stopped it after that. I sent him one condolence message and I was like, no, that's it. So you never heard about the car accident again. Like, you know that it didn't happen. I know yeah. that it didn't happen. And also another thing is too, that I followed his sister on social media too. She was posting like everything was yeah. fine. I would think that if your, your brother was in a car accident, that you wouldn't be like out with brunch at your friends yeah, the yeah, next yeah, day. Yeah. And that's, you know, not, not at all a criticism of her. She has nothing to do with any of this, but um, you know, I'm just kind of thinking yeah, to myself, like the story doesn't add up, right? This story doesn't add up. And so he created this entire fucking narrative about it. I think that it can't possibly be anything more than this. Anything more than the unsolicited flowers on my doorstep. The Fake pretending to be in a car accident. Um, and then I get, like, November or December, I get a handwritten letter, Molly. A handwritten letter that's, like, five pages long. Basically, like, you're the one that got away, and I will always remember you as my true love and all of this stuff. And at the very end, he said something like, and, and if you ever want to come home, like, if you ever want to, like, come back, like, my, I will always love you. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so that didn't get a response. And that was the last time. That was actually 
actually the last time he ever that he ever letter though me. feels really classic like all of these things it's not like you know okay sure like he's a smart manipulator but at the end of the day like these are like classic right moves right and, oh yeah right um you know, you wanted to tell the story because there are other girls and women out there who are experiencing yeah. this. But if 16-year-old you had listened to this story, I mean, do you think she would have listened? Or do you think you would have turned it off already? <laughs> I was naive, but I also wasn't dumb. Like, I I knew while things were happening, and I knew enough to, like, to censor my conversations with my friends and stuff like that because I knew things were bad, right? Yeah. But but I was so emotionally... I think the problem was I was very emotionally invested, not only in the fear that I felt mm-hmm. of him, but also in, like, the love that I thought I had. I thought I was in love with this man. I didn't think of myself as a victim of abuse. Also because I recognize that I am so privileged like i am mm-hmm. you know you I weren't am, financially tied to this person i either. wasn't financially tied to him i had a, a loving involved. family yeah. i had no kid i am you know a white middle class woman like i am so privileged i did not feel like i fit the profile of somebody who like mm-hmm. i didn't feel like i even had the right to call myself a victim of domestic mm-hmm. abuse because so many people have it worse you know that's kind of what i thought like i didn't consider myself a victim because i was like no domestic abuse is you know, that's when you have a baby and he beats you every day. And it's like, no, like I didn't like understand it. But if I heard somebody describing to me this situation and saying, this is abuse, like face that fact, Mm -hmm. it would have made me think about it differently. Again, I don't know if it would have changed what I did. I don't know if I had to like come to terms with it in my own time. Mm -hmm. You know, I find that sometimes you do unfortunately have to make your own mistakes, which sucks you know, from but going it would have changed my thoughts. This is a person who had 100% power over you. Now do they have zero? Zero. Really I have zero. not not heard from him, not talked to him, not have any sort of contact. Don't give a fuck about him. I've never, like, leaving this relationship was the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm so proud mm-hmm. of the person that I've become because now I feel like I'm living life on my terms. I'm Okay, favorite restaurant. Oh, yes. Okay. Did you um, come prepared? I did. I was thinking about this this morning. My favorite restaurant in the area is called uh, Frost. It's the Frost Street restaurant in Brooklyn. It's like an Italian seafood kind of place. Okay. um, What do you get there? What's the go-to order? Oh, my goodness. The um, fettuccine Alfredo Mm -hmm. or the, like, seafood marinara. I'm a big seafood person. So I love love that. And um, it's, like, a kind of a family spot for us. Like, my family's been going there since, like, before I was born. So it has the nostalgia factor. Frost. I love the name of it. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and follow the podcast wherever it is you listen to it so that we can bring you more unexpected stories by ordinary people. And if you didn't like the episode, forget what I just said and just please don't tell anyone.